This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Austin. And this week, I have a really cool discussion coming at all of you with Devin Soto. Now, Devin has been a guest before. He's the owner of the Tactical Cowboy LLC training company, former Army Ranger, and perpetually awesome dude. We had a really, really cool discussion last time he joined me. And I mean, that was like two months ago. Um, and within a day, two days, three days, something like that, like very shortly thereafter, we had already scheduled this discussion. He was, uh, making uh, a trip around the country competing in the tactical games. And we scheduled this and super, super happy to have the opportunity to catch up with him, hear about what he's been doing. And more specifically talk about something that is very, very popular in the community today. And that is CQB or close quarters battle. Now, as a ranger, this is something that the Devin trained into a high level and executed to a high level and is a, what I will say, I trust as a source of information. Now, as with all things, there's, you know, tons of different ways to approach this topic and tons of different opinions and and things like that. So this conversation isn't meant to be like a one-stop shop or a know-it-all guide to the concept but certainly a lot of information here and it's just a really, really good discussion. Like Devin and I have a great time every time we get together. This was certainly, you know, no exception. Uh, and his company, they do great stuff. If you guys are out, you know, Utah way and you're looking for a good quality instructor, whether it's for pistol, carbine, CQB, whatever have you, check out his website. He's a super nice guy. If you have questions, hit him up on social media. You know, that's primary. That's how I got in touch with Devin through some mutual friends, and he's been great. We've talked on the phone before. We've walked through just a couple of videos of me working on CQB things, and always, always willing to help. Very smart guy, and very interested in sharing his knowledge and teaching people. You know, not only what he knows, but but how to think for themselves and getting their insight and their input. And he does that a couple times during our discussion, which I I think is really really cool. So. It's, it was great. Really, really great discussion. I can't wait to get you guys over to it. But before I bounce over to that, I have to, as always, say thank you. Thank you so much to our presenting partner, EclipseHolsters.com. Guys, I, I, it's crazy. We've been working with Eclipse for, I mean, since like February, February or March, honestly. It doesn't feel like it's been six months, but it has been. And super thrilled to work with them. They make an excellent product. I was talking to a friend last night. Hey, man, you know, I think I need to switch my holster up. I think he was running, he runs one of those hybrid holsters. It's, you know, a patch of leather with a, a Kydex, you know, molded outside, you know, four o'clock position, worried about printing or his, you know, his shirt coming up because his shirts shrink up, whatever. Wants to switch to appendix. Said, hey, man, check out eclipseholsters.com. Here's our discount code. All one word, prepared mindset it will save you 20% off your order. Jess and her team make outstanding holsters, and they give you a lifetime warranty satisfaction guaranteed. So if it isn't what you're thinking it's going to be, or you need to make some kind of change, whatever, you can send it back to them, and they will remake it for you. They'll make sure you're happy and you're able to carry confidently with your holster. Their mag pouches, holsters, They do dump trays. They have self-defense tools, tourniquets, tourniquet holders. There's all kinds of stuff that's available on the website. Again, that's EclipseHolsters.com. 
Guys, go check it out. They will help you, all right? If you need a holster and you're not sure, reach out to them. They will guide you. They'll point you in the right direction. They'll get you taken care of if you're looking for something special. And if by some odd chance they can't, they have industry partners that they can get you in touch with. They can make a referral. They can make a strong recommendation for who will. But it's pretty likely that they're going to be able to take care of you, get you hooked up. You're going to be super happy with what you have. They're going to, you know, three business days or less, they're going to have that out in the mail to you. Three business days. Guys, there are holster companies out there right now making these Kydex holsters that have three week to three month lead times. Three business days or less, satisfaction guaranteed, lifetime warranty. And if you spend over 99 bucks, they're going to upgrade you for free to the FedEx two-day shipping, which, I mean, it kicks ass. So one more time, that's EclipseHolsters.com. Our discount code, Prepared Mindset, all one word, will save you 20% off your order. Head over, check it out today. Help support Jess and her company. Help support the Prepared Mindset and everything that we're doing here. Now, speaking of supporting the the Prepared Mindset, we also have a Patreon page, guys. Patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. We have a ton of content there, or we will shortly have a ton of content. We're starting things out. We have blogs on there. We have audio recordings. There's some pictures on there. We are releasing some targets of our own. Right now, it's publicly available as our cold start target. Go check it out. See what you think. Let us know what you think. And if you're interested in supporting what we do here, hear from a lot of people how much they love the pod, how much they love the guests, how much they enjoy what we're doing consider, you know, signing up. You can donate a dollar, $3, $5. You know, that little bit goes a long way to help offset the cost that we have every month towards hosting this and doing the things that we do. We don't make any money off of this. I don't make any money off of this. I'm totally cool with that. I just love that I get to do it. Super, super cool opportunity. Head over again, patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. Check it out. If you like what you see, consider donating, helping support us so I can connect with more rad dudes like Devin. But okay, enough of that. All right, we're going to get on over to my discussion again this week, talking about close quarters battle with my good friend Devin Soto, the owner of the Tactical Cowboy Training Company. Here we go. Devin, welcome back to the pod, man. How are you? Hey, man, I'm awesome. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Excited to have you back. Now, you've been doing like a bunch of stuff lately. You were just doing like tactical games. I think you guys had a class this weekend or maybe that's next weekend, right? Yeah, I just did like a, a month-long road trip where I got to go all the way across the country, go to, you know, train with some different people. I taught some classes. We did some stuff with some police departments and I got to participate in my first tactical games, which was awesome. But yeah, we got a class next weekend that we we're preparing for earlier today. See, that's awesome. I have not not this coming weekend the 24 yes and the weekend after this i'll be going to uh ann arbor arms here in michigan uh for a carbine class so oh that's about as that's about as close to to in-depth training as i think i'm probably going to get before the end of the year but uh super pumped for it so what's uh who's teaching it and what's the focus um it's carbine too the guy teaching is uh robbie torres so uh, he's their he's their head instructor over there at Ann Arbor and uh, solid dude. I've taken two, yeah, two other classes with him. One was uh, honestly the same carbine two class, but he changes the curriculum. So you know every time he goes and does more stuff. So 
Um, I mean, and who am I kidding? Like I need the work, so I'm not even worried about it. Um, he's a really cool dude and a really good teacher. Um, I took a yeah, carbine class from him and then uh, concealed carry tactics course. I took my wife and we both went and that was a lot of fun. Oh, so cool. So cool. So, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it should be a pretty good time. I'm excited. Um, but at any rate, so thank you for making the time and coming back. It's always uh, oh, awesome to always. have you on, man. And it's the most fun podcast. It's awesome. <laughs> it is. You should tell everyone, tell your friends that every one of you listening, tell your friends that. Um, <clears throat> but this, you know, now that's your second time on, we have the opportunity to talk a little bit more in depth on, you know, not that I don't like hearing about everything that you've done, but, you know, second time around here, something we wanted to get into the first time that we, we sat down and talked was CQB. We just, we ran out of time. We didn't really have the ability to go into length. So we, I know we, we actually, we put this on the books, like, like it was a while ago. I think it was like three days after your last, uh, uh, you know, visit with me here that we got this one booked. So it's kind of like the new hotness right now, sort of, oh, yeah. it's always been cool, but oh, yeah. you know, everyone likes to talk about CQB realistically, <clears throat> probably the last thing any of us want to like you know, actually do real world, want to get involved in. Um, however, in like a home defense situation, probably the most likely, uh, you know, of skills, should you have to basically leave the room that you're in. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just jump right in. You know, uh, in my experience, it's all about fundamentals. Um, where do you even start if you wanted to learn more about this or, or where does this all, where does this all start from a fundamental perspective? I like that you started there. I like that you started there. So we have our next CQB course coming up in two weekends. And interestingly enough, you know, in the military, I've done done a lot of, you know, team and squad size CQB. And then on my own and in like the security world, I've did a lot of one man stuff. So all of our stuff is we're switching it to all one man. That just is because, you know, I'm not out there, you know, in the military and law enforcement anymore. So I'm not always hanging out with three to six other dudes that I'm ready to go clear house with. Also, myself and most everybody we train and come in contact with, as well as police officers, they're probably by themselves. So, you know, of course, my fiance, she's capable. But that being said, if it's a CQB scenario, I'll probably just take it solo. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, not necess- not something you want to, you know, go into if you if you can avoid the whole exactly. scenario, right? Yep. So yeah, one man CQB is kind of what we kind of specialize in these days. And it's interesting because not a lot of people do it, but I think it's extremely important because most of the time I'm by myself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I've got written down a lot of the main points that we like to go over in our course. That being said, there's so much nuance here. There's a million other things you can hit on, but I've just got five things right here that we can just touch on and get your input and go back. Yeah, I think that's an important point you just made is there's nuance. You know, before we hit record here, we were kind of just, you know, shooting the shit for a second. And I mean... Anybody listening, if you've been on social media, anything like you see somebody it happens to me all the time because I am a, like to think of myself as a constant student, but I put up videos and stuff asking for, you know, criticism and critique, right? Um, and no matter what you do, no matter how good you do it, you're always gonna have somebody going, this isn't realistic. You shouldn't do that. But you don't, you can't see all of it behind a camera. And with this more than a lot of things, really nuance and context, um, you know, 
it's it's huge with all of this um you know jared and the guys over orion they talked about it when they were on the pod and the more i've learned the more it was just like duh there really is it's like there isn't a black and white manual of how to approach a lot of this stuff oh for sure for sure one thing i think you do a really good job of is focusing on one tiny skill at a time and that's a lot of what we do in our classes like i notice in your videos you will focus on just a simple entry you're not worried about what's going on in the room you're not trying to do scanning or anything after that you might just do entry like this an entry like that and then i don't know how many times you'll actually do it but you'll take a bunch of videos and then you'll put it up Mm -hmm. I i think that's a really good way to approach it because I know a lot of uh, guys I talk to in the professional world, they kind of get sent into large scenarios. Let's say they get two to three trainings every year and they just get sent, sent into a large scenario and then they do it. And then that's kind of it. And then there's no, not like a lot of building the base. Yeah. The old sink or swim method. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, if you sink, you probably still keep your job anyways, but. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We need you. We can't afford to lose you, but uh, do better. (laughs) But yeah, I like that you do that. You focus on each tiny skill. You know what I mean? And that's what we do a lot of. So let's just dive right in. So the first thing I've written here, which is pretty important, and there's nuance, of course. Mm-hmm. But when we start doing the training, one of the first things we always say is don't rush to your death. You know oh, what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, don't be in a hurry <laughs> to die. Yeah, exactly. exactly. All over the place. You can't yeah. get in that room fast enough just to get your head blown off. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But um, whether that's approaching a threshold, entering it, and what I'm talking about is one man, but hey, if you've got multiple people and you get up to that doorway and then all of a sudden you change speed and go super fast, well, now you kind of screwed the second guy because now he's got to rush and then the timing's all off and you could be rushing to your death and that's not fun. So let me ask you there, because this is something when I was originally wanting to learn about you know, CQB, uh, or even just room clearing, you know, at the time, I think I was like, uh, it was my buddy and I'm like, you know, he was, uh, attack P whatever. And he knew he'd gone to like Darcy, um, it's direct action resource center, something like that anyways. And, uh, <clears throat> he was all about, you know, speed and dynamic entry and things like that. And I'm like, man, that's so badass. Like, yeah, that's, that's it. That makes so much sense. And then the more that I got into this, I found out, okay, speed is good violence of action is good, but it's also not good. And that's kind of like what you're talking about here. So when, when you say don't be in a hurry to die, but then we have a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of old school guys pushing the speed and balance of action bit. Where does this kind of, I guess, where do those two worlds kind of collide in your perspective? Yep. That is an awesome question. So what I've been taught in the last few years, and I really like to abide by is of course, it depends on the scenario. You might need to move faster but only move as fast as you can properly process the information in front of you, you know? So if it's like a really tiny bathroom or something, boom, you can get in there and you can pretty much see the entire room immediately, right? right? Versus, you know, you enter this doorway and you don't know what's in there, let's say. And there's a, it's a big room. There's a ton of stuff. There's multiple desks. There's a cabinet over here with a dead space behind it. You know, maybe as I started approaching that and started identifying these issues, I might take that a little slower because I can't process everything that's going on in one second. You know what I mean? Like I could Mm -hmm. in a very tiny room or a closet or something like that. So I think that's where the the meeting is. And also, you know, one man by yourself, 
going slower might be nice because you have so much more to process. You know, when I was in the military, it was a lot of speed and violence of action. But, you know, we've got 30 dudes that are highly trained behind us. So yeah, right. a little bit a different. different. Scenery, you know? Yeah, <laughs> just only slightly, only slightly different. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but that's something I think that a lot of guys uh, that want to learn about this, they run into that. And then it's a common, A, it's a common uh, comment I get on on my practice and things like that. But I see on other people's uh, stuff too is, Hey man, slow down, you know? And I think you, you start to almost uh, kind of lose your perspective on what is important. I know when I was practicing uh, panning a doorway, you know, one, just one example. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I got a couple of guys dropping me comments, you know, some pretty legit guys have done some pretty legit stuff. I'm like, so did you get out of your optic? Are you, how much can you really see? And I was like, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, I was so like focused on my footwork. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I completely missed the whole point of the exercise, which was to gather as much information and process as much data as I can. And I was oh, so yeah. worried about my damn feet. I just, it's wasted reps. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily wasted, but you didn't really get out of it what you wanted to get out of it. So it kind of amounts to a, wa- a wasted repetition. Yeah. I mean, Hey, at least you're doing it though. And, you know, going slow is really, really important. It's the same thing as if I was going to do anything else. If I was going to focus on my pistol draw for the first time or the 10,000th time, (laughs) you know what I mean? My pistol draw, my rifle presentation, my, I don't know, I'm not a skateboarder, but if I was going to do a kickflip, maybe I would like, I guess you probably couldn't do that slow. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm sure there, I mean there's probably ways to break that down and work on it, yeah, you know, fundamentally yeah, speaking, exactly. but, but yeah. yeah, I think taking it slow, especially at the beginning is super, super important. That's why um, we used to do a one day CQB class. Now we do two days, eight hours each day, because it's just impossible to get everything done in one day. So now our first day, like the first four hours is nice, slow, deliberate movement. And one thing we, we really, really like to do, which you might like to do in your own practice it'd be kind of tough on your own it'd be good if you had a buddy that could change up things in the room for you or something but this really helps me too you know as you're panning a doorway approaching it whatever it may be whatever it is you're doing going through the hallway we like to vocalize it out loud when we're practicing so then uh, people like you know when we're demonstrating they can hear what i'm thinking Mm -hmm. and then as they're going i can hear them saying okay mitigating the angle i'm exposed to as i'm moving down the hallway getting close to the threshold, shifting focus to the threshold, panning the doorway, focusing on the next threat I'm exposed to, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's actually saying it out loud. So then it's like, you're really working through it in your mind instead of not saying anything. And then I get, I mean, if you're on your own, it's a little tough, but we got to link up some man. Sometimes we got to do this. <laughs> I know, I know, man, it's on my list, you know, um, and that's, but it's good. It's good to, for people to try and work on this stuff together. I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be an instructor, right? I mean, if nope. it, you can, it sh- you should by all means, but with a general understanding of some of these principles, just being able to call the stuff out to have somebody there to keep you accountable. If it, mm-hmm. you know, nothing else. Um, and that's the struggle with a lot of dudes is just finding guys to train with, especially for something like this is difficult. Yeah, um, but you, you could so easily link up with one buddy or your wife and Mm -hmm. she sits right here on the couch or whatever and you come into that doorway and you she just you tell her okay 
you sh- i mean maybe have like a you know a cert pistol or something so you're not playing yeah. actual yeah. Weapon safety first life. motherfuckers yeah <laughs> i always like to say nobody outranks general safety absolutely <laughs> but okay. uh you say honey the first thing you should see is the muzzle of this fake pistol right here and then you go in nice and slow and then she can tell you yeah the first thing i saw was the muzzle or she could tell you oh i saw the side of the pistol first so then that shows you, oh, okay, I need to maybe take it a little wider or just be focusing on the angles I'm exposed to, stuff like that. Also, mm-hmm. you can use your phone. Yeah, the phone's a good one um, for catching some of that exposure. And it is kind of difficult. It's almost like, at least in, and I found this when working on panning, you have to think about, like I put it as being ahead of the curve, you know, because mm-hmm. you have to almost be, it's going to feel like you're physically overexposed to mm-hmm. be at a point where you can present the firearm and see what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. cause if you can't see, it's kind of hard to explain without visual aids, but that's the best way I could, I could think of to put it was stay ahead, like be ahead of the curve, you know, yep. be out in front, make sure that whatever you can see your muzzle is pointed at and whatever your muzzle can be is exposed to, you can see, mm-hmm. I guess in most general terms, that's difficult. Yep. That's that's another one of my points right here. Eyes and weapon are synchronized. And there's caveats to that nuance to it as well, obviously. Whatever. There's civilians, you know, you're an LE guy. Things could be different or whatever. But as a general rule, eyes and weapons synchronized are is very, very important, especially mm-hmm. upon the entry. Because just like you said, if you see it, it can see you. And if it's a threat, you want to be able to engage it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and that, that comes back to as well, you know, <clears throat> looking at, and again, this is, this isn't anything that I've personally discovered. This is stuff that I've gathered from, there's a lot, guys, there's so many resources out there, but you want the weapon system to be high enough to engage, right? But you also don't want to be so sucked into your optic that that's all you see is that like, I don't know, how big is the window on a T2? Like like an inch, you know, that one inch yeah. tube, whatever it is. <laughs> You don't want to only be hunting through that. Um, Oh, not at all. Not at all. That is extremely important. I'm happy you brought that up. You know, of course, eyes and weapon are synchronized, but that doesn't mean you're looking down the reticle the entire time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you want to maximize that aim down sight speed. Yeah, exactly. Just like Call of Duty. Usually that, you know, an aim point T2 or something would be right below my eye line. So maybe in my vision, it might be right there below it. Sort of, you know whatever you know what i mean looking just over the top of it yep yep looking just over the top kind of at the bottom of my vision and then you know of course we all do it at the range get a bunch of low ready bam Mm -hmm. all that good stuff but yes that's an extremely important thing and and fundamentally yeah and and fundamentally those ready up drills are some of the easiest things to work on and they lend themselves to a lot of applications this is just a perfect example you know and that's one of those things you can actually get done at a local range that doesn't let you do shit else, but you can work on ready up drills. You can work on, you know, that snap up and that one shot or two shots. I think if you ever do three, they throw a fit or mine does anything. (laughs) No rapid fire, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. For also for anybody listening, I think I said low ready. Everybody's got different terms for all this ready stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever, what me and um, Austin are talking about is just blow your eye line, beep, your timer goes off or your buddy says threat, or you just decide to shoot the target. And then you just raise that optic right up to your eye, nice and quick. 
less than a second is usually what it should be. Nice and yeah. smooth. If you rack us to a, a pretty consistent standard, I'd say to get that site picture under a second is totally achievable. Now, oh yeah, get that picture and pull that trigger, different story, but mm. you know, fundamentals, work on it, build to it. Now, you mentioned the low ready, and I know a lot of guys or or agencies will talk about high ready where the muzzle is it's not quite up, it's like kind of 45 degree angle, the stock or brace mm. or whatever, like kind of under your armpit. Do you recommend one or the other? Is one better than the other? Because when I was originally, again, same conversation with my buddy where he's like, yeah, man, speed, balance, action, you know, fucking get in there, you know, you know, put your foot in the door jam and, you know, push off from that. You want to fly in there. Um, and he's like, <laughs> really? you know, hold on, hold on. put your foot in the door jam and then push off of it. Well, sorry. As you're coming through the threshold, if you're button hooking, you can use your foot into like, if you're, if you're coming in and going to the right, right. Yeah. Left foot, you can step into the the door frame. I'm sorry. And kind of use that to push and pivot off of it to get around that corner faster. Dang. That's <laughs> um, I have not know, heard that, but that sounds pretty badass. <laughs> um, I think I fucked up a molding actually practicing that. So, um, Interesting. luckily so it's that technique out. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily what, it's, what was that like? Um, I mean, it, it, it does kind of, at a beginner level, it kind of does help if that's your goal is to get through that doorway as fast as you can. And, you know, you don't have good body control and, you know, centripetal force being what it is, you go too fast, go too wide, things like that. It can help. Um, now that I know a little bit more, it's not really necessary, I don't think. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's certainly a good way to teach it, you know. <laughs> um well, shit, now I even f- forgot where I was going with that. Yeah, we, we were at uh, uh, high ready or, you know, high oh, port, whatever yeah. people want to call it. Um, he was talking yeah, about the muzzle is 45 degrees or higher. Yeah. And he was talking about how I think it, I'm pretty sure this is basically what he said was uh, Rangers go muzzle down because they like to drop dudes on the fucking roof. And I'm like, that sounds sweet. And it makes sense. So you don't want to flag your buddies upstairs. <laughs> Now you were a ranger, so is there any truth to that? Yeah, no, we did do muzzle down always. Yeah. But I don't know if it was necessarily for that reason. I think a lot of it was because of the training, because shoot houses, people would be above you. On the catwalk. So they didn't yeah. want you going muzzle up because I mean, yeah, you go into the room, bang, 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 bang. Now you guys go into the next one. And if you're behind, if you're like number two, if you put the muzzle up, well, now you've got a loaded weapon kind of pointing at all the higher mm-hmm. ups up there and they don't want guns pointed at them <laughs> yeah god forbid yeah well i mean i mean it's safety first that is right but um so but i mean i've also seen stuff where when you stack up and i go this is kind of getting away from the solo piece of it but uh, the second guy in the stack a lot of the times or everybody's not number one man will have the gun at the high ready is there really uh is it a, a benefit to either one or is it really just come down to whatever your rules and regs are well yeah so back to the high ready or high port, whatever you want to call it. That's what I pretty much do always now. Um, every All the last stuff I've done in the last few years, that's everything we're doing is high port or high ready because it's just easier to be in tight spaces with another guy and not flagging him. That makes, yeah, I think that makes sense, yeah. And then also, what else you do at your, at the, you know, the guns at the 12 o'clock or whatever. If the gun's up, what else you do? Your reloads. You put mm-hmm. the gun up to maneuver around a guy. You guys communicate. You get behind the cover. Hey, blah, 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 blah. You got the gun up. 
if the gun's down, it's never really down, is it? It's usually kind of at a 45 yeah. degree angle down. Yeah, so usually because you're sling. Yeah, yeah. So now you're you're angling the gun all over the place and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, pretty much gun up, pistol, rifle. That's pretty much what I do always now in CQB for reloads, for communication, for shoot maneuver, all of it. Okay. So, I mean, so it's kind of like a, because <clears throat> we are talking about panning and utilizing a low ready position. So you, you still need to use both, but you need to know yeah. when. You yeah, know you wouldn't. When. Of course, of course you wouldn't pan at the high ready. That would be kind of silly. I mean, you could in theory. It would Although, look pretty cool. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's the most important thing. I mean, fuck, what are we even <laughs> talking about here? Uh, no, but I mean, it's because, I mean, and the only reason that I, I go down the rabbit hole, right, is because guys get so much heartburn over this shit where it's like, dude, why are you running high ready or low port or whatever? And it's like, well, shouldn't you be good at both? Shouldn't you oh, yeah. know interchangeably? Again, we get back to this context and this nuance that comes with this. And, you know, and guys, I mean, it, it really is. It's how it works. Yeah, it's it's way more about thinking. And again, I've never even done this shit, right? It's way more about thinking than it is about pulling the trigger. There's so much more brain work that goes into this. And that's like the hard, when I put, put up my first video and I asked the guys from Orion, right? Cause I don't think you and I even knew each other yet. I was like, Hey, I tagged him in it. I'm like, Hey, yeah, I'm working on this. And just picked it apart, tore it apart. I'm like, I didn't even <laughs> think to think of that. Cause there's just so many pieces that, that go to that puzzle. So, yep. you know. Uh, I think everyone should be well-versed in both. Personally, I love low ready because it's faster to get back on the gun. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, I I do know, I do know some guys that they're, you know, beep, bang from the low ready and the high port, Mm -hmm. whatever I'm calling it is, um, it's about the same amount of time, but it just does feel faster at the low ready. It just does for me. For me, it feels just a little bit faster. I got to believe it is. I and have then to also when, when, when they're doing that drill, right? Usually the high port is they're looking over top of the muzzle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's cheating. So it's, it's still not even at that 45. It's even lower. So if you were a number two man, you would you have your gun oriented that way? Because if you did, it'd probably be pointed at the back of your buddy's head. Yeah, or like over his shoulder, the muzzle next to his ear or something stupid. Yeah, yeah for when we do like two man stuff, the number two man, that gun is, it's up. There's oh, yeah. no, like, I'm kind of like cheating just in case. So I can get ready. Like, ah, we just have it up. Yeah. So kind of, cause, okay. So, cause we're talking about, <clears throat> you know, all this, uh, you know, guns and stuff. Um, is there, cause this is another one I see all the time. Is there, I'm sure there are pros and cons to what weapon system you want to run. You know I mean? Do you have you don't? I mean, you can be effective with anything with enough training, but handgun, you use slash, I'll say sub gun, I'll loop those into like the same category because they usually run like a nine millimeter, um, mm. versus something like a an AR platform rifle. You know, I know shorter barrels on the AR make a lot of things easier, um, especially in enclosed spaces, but I know a lot of guys don't have that, you know, for legal reasons, they rock a 16 inch, mm. um, mm. and you get into a lot of other. Uh, issues with that too, with over penetration of the rifle round. Some guys yep. think that a shotgun's the best choice because if you're doing CQB, it's probably residential um, or even industrial when the, the walls are not even sheetrock. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just cheap 
fucking paneling and everything. Um, when people are making those kinds of choices, is there really redeeming factors to all of them or is there a better choice? Well, I usually prefer an 18 inch AR 10. Yeah. I don't think that's actually right. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, I think there's benefits to everything. Of course, a ton of nuance, you know, I've got my 14, five, my M4 and that thing is, it's great. It's not too long. It's not too short. All that kind of good stuff. Of course, a shorter barrel is easier, but I haven't noticed any issues with the 14.5. But and then, of course, pistol is going to be a lot easier, right? We've all you've done practice with your pistol, right? Um, not a ton. I have done some. Um, it's obviously more maneuverable just because it's so much more compact, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's also, and this is my opinion, you know, it's harder to be accurate i'll say just due to the mechanics and you don't have a stock shoulder or anything like that um i don't know i mean that's if i were to have to pick one for like my wife i would go with the rifle over the handgun mm-hmm. oh bless you yeah thanks <laughs> um so i mean i would I, I mean i keep a handgun next to the bed like i'm fine with it um but if it came down to it you know i would probably want the rifle just because ammo capacity and easier with the shot placement on it's you know lights optics all that stuff um but i feel like if you're talking urban environments and maybe you can you can expound on this we talk about shot accountability i know we talked about this on the last Mm -hmm. time you were on um but round penetration and understanding your environment is a huge part of this especially as civilians right Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is that right to be concerned with a rifle round versus a handgun round that might move a little bit slower? Yeah. When you say urban, do you mean like in your house or just in the city? I mean, I would say in my house, but I mean, I guess in general, you know, I mean, a lot of us live in more densely populated areas where you really, you have to understand. (laughs) It's just where I live, bro. (laughs) I'm all on it. I didn't realize on this road trip, I didn't realize how small Utah was. I'm so spoiled. Like the entire state of Utah has barely any more people than the city of Chicago. Isn't that crazy? Oh yeah. Yeah. We got a shitload here in Detroit too. It's, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Then you get in there and you're like, why would anybody want to live this way? Like I don't live in the city, but I can't imagine what it would be like for people to do. Like I I could, that I couldn't do. I don't mind suburbia here, but that's just crazy. Yeah, so I was on my road trip, but then I get to Houston to train with Sidewinder Concepts, Adrian, super awesome long range guy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't been in the city in forever. <laughs> yep. Yep. But, anyways, uh, where were we at? Oh, like, oh, well, yeah. Penetration, penetration, yeah. That. Yeah. That's a tough one. There's so much nuance to the question. Um, my go to, you know, you said like the bedside thing, you know, mm-hmm. pistol. And then also, I mean, I'm lucky enough. So I have a 300 blackout that shoots subs that are hollow points, which is pretty nice. So then I'm kind of, you know, drawing that line of the best of the both, best of both worlds, right? Where it's yeah. a subsonic round. So it's not moving fast. It's a hollow point. But then I get the benefit of having a rifle. But then not everybody can do that because those freaking bullets are about a dollar a piece, which is pretty outrageous yeah it hurts yep Yep. but i i think it's an important consideration 
the main thing I say for people when they're like, okay, what do I do is you need to, you know, like it's same thing. If somebody's going to come to the, to the, to a class, to a pistol class, right. Or pistol rifle class, they're hitting me up. Hey, Devin, which one should I do? And I was asked them, what's your primary weapon? Mm -hmm. Well, probably their carry pistol, right? Okay. Well, let's do some pistol private sessions. Let's do a pistol class because that's your primary weapon. This, that's what's with you all the time. You know, you don't have a truck gun. You have one AR at home that you barely shoot. If something right. happens, you're going to want to go to your primary, what you know how to use, what you're confident in. Oh, so in this, in this circumstance, I would say what you're comfortable and confident in, what you can actually execute what you need to would take a little bit of priority or, over, you know, this, uh, the idea of is my round going to penetrate through a building or something? Not that it's not important, but you know, if it was a pistol guy and he's like decent with his AR or wait, no, all the way around, we're trying to do the opposite. All right. So it's an <laughs> AR guy and um, he's really good. Like he is just perfect. 200 yards. He's like cleaning headshots. This dude's incredible. And he's not that great with a pistol, but then something happens. It's like, he's like, Oh, should I grab my pistol? I'd be like, well, Maybe not. Yeah, maybe, maybe just not. figure out a way that to make your AR a little less of an issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And what do you I mean, think? I mean, that's, I, th I mean, personally, I agree with that. I think, you know, cause I carry a 43 X every day, which isn't the ideal fighting pistol, but in my opinion, it's probably one of the more ideal carry pistols just cause it's a little bit smaller size. You know, I run those shield arms mags, so I'm still 15 plus one. You know, oh, yeah. I, got a, I got a dot on it and everything like it is big enough to feel comfortable in my hands, but small enough to be concealable. Like I'm good with it. You know, um, I feel OK with that. You know, I got a, a light on it and everything. So if something were to happen, I I shoot that more than anything else, to your point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I feel like that would be fine. I don't necessarily feel like I'd be at any disadvantage versus grabbing my 11 and a half inch AR, not in my home, but I also have a very small home and I live in a extremely uh, densely populated area. Like we're talking, mm -hmm. you walk out my side door, there's like my what, I don't know, 10 foot driveway. And then another, like maybe four feet is the neighbor's house. You know, like mm -hmm. we're, we're sardine together here and granted they're mostly brick homes, but that's the thing for me. Like I, I worry about over penetration. I worry about stuff like that just because you are so close together and you know even even the best i mean shooters right the environment gets a say and if it goes through somebody or you know a wall and takes a weird hop or something mm -hmm. you, you never really can be 100 percent sure so you know hollow points pistol rounds they're going to move a little bit slower they're going to slow down on impact a little a little more i you know if it came to my home defense, I would definitely probably go that route. If it were something else, I don't know. I'd probably go with the rifle just because I'd feel more comfortable having more ammo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree. I think I agree. Um, what was that? Oh yeah. So on the penetration piece, it's like, you never know. So it's probably a good idea to err on the side of caution, especially if it's what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Because I've talked to plenty of LE guys and they say, they say, They've seen buckshot stopping somebody, you know, hit their spine and didn't go through them. And yeah. they've seen freaking hollow points out of their, you know, Glock 19 
just go through people like nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It so just depends. It's very unpredictable. And yeah, that's why for the, I, I think I agree with you though. I mean, our house isn't huge or anything, but bump in the night. Also, you know, maneuverability. Now you're talking confidence and all that. I feel pretty confident with my Glock 17. You know, it's got the light on it, red dot. We're ready to rock and roll. No issues, super maneuverable, all that good stuff. And yeah, if it's maybe a more serious situation, like you said, the rifle would obviously be the go-to, but that's where it really comes in for me is the um, the 300 blackout subsonic 220 grain bullet. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I, if I could, that's probably, and shit, that might be my next project would be, you know, building a 300 blackout upper. I mean, the nice yeah. part is you can just slap it on the 5.56 lower and you're ready to rock. Oh, as long yeah. as you don't, you know, confuse your ammo or anything like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, which that is always, good. always a little heartbreaking when you see that happen to somebody on the internet. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. Damn, man. <laughs> um, but I think it's also a case, and for people that are on the fence about, you know, if you really do want to run a rifle, like, cool. Like, I think that's awesome. But it's a really strong argument in that event, then, like, why you should run a suppressor, too. Um, mm-hmm. One, it looks cool which is the most important thing. And two, oh, yeah. you know, that just the noise, right. And the, the reverberation and, and just everything in, in the house, like, and, you know, signature reduction, like, why would you not want to hide the muzzle flash if you can? Um, I'm not big on pistol cans, but I've also never shot one. If I did, I'd probably be crazy about it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I love shooting my, my AR suppressed. I think it's, it's freaking awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. I've heard, I mean, I run my stuff. Obviously, the 300 blackout is suppressed. Super cool. Uh, but I've I've heard different stuff about this, and I think there's both sides of the argument. You know, I've heard John Lovell say years ago that he. Have you heard what he has to say about it? Uh, I mean, probably. I can't think off the top of my head. I've seen and heard a lot of stuff that John's done. I like what he said. He said he doesn't want to run a can on his home defense AR because. He wants to, one, intimidate the threat. Maybe there's multiple threats. Well, when you start blasting rounds <laughs> out of your AR-15 inside your house, it's going to be probably terrifying to the bad dude. Yeah. Well, everyone's going to be a little terrifying to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, crap your then, pencil. Yep. And then also, to his argument, I believe, hopefully I'm not misquoting him, but he said, you know, then this way, this will notify his neighborhood. That something's mm-hmm. going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, everyone's gonna know something's yeah. going on. Which which that that's there's something to be said there. Yeah, no, I I, I think that there is definitely some um credence to that. You know, I think that it's again, it's all preference and situational, and you know, maybe it's it's a non if a non-factor if you live out, you know, in the sparsely populated parts of the world um versus you know a subdivision where everybody's a little more crowded together and like where i live right um i mean hell and with a 556 it doesn't really knock that much off of it people might know anyways but that's a good Mm -hmm. point and certainly something worth considering um yeah man i did again it just comes down to your situation and what Mm -hmm. what you want to do what you're comfortable with and you know if you have a small if you have small children in the home if you know, if it's just you or just you and your wife or something. Um, yeah, I think it's really, it's yeah. Super situational. It's hard to say for sure. There's not, 
I don't think there's a perfect answer to a lot of those. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, all that being said, I do have, like I said, I have a can on 300 blackout. So I am running one in, inside in case of that scenario. So that's just what I do. That doesn't mean it's the best or the correct thing to do. It's just kind of what I cho have chosen, I guess. And yeah. that's because I have been lucky enough where in my real life experience, I haven't had to discharge a weapon without ear protection, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. I have known many, many, many dudes that have. And they have said that, yeah, maybe it might have damaged their hearing a little bit. You know, of course, tinnitus, who, you know, what vet doesn't have tinnitus, right? Right. But right. they say in the moment, it doesn't really phase them, you know? I've heard that from some people. I've also, I, I also, I have friends that, this is dumb, that they deer hunt with no ear protection on because they're like, oh no, I, I wouldn't be able to hear them sneaking up. And I'm like, what? Like go buy some electronic ones. They actually amplify your hearing, dude. Like mm -hmm. seriously. And then of course now he's been doing this for a couple of years. So <clears throat> now he just gets a bunch of shit at work because his phone's like cranked up and the ringers as loud as it can possibly go. Cause he just, his hearing is starting to fail and not really fail, but it's just not, it's not what it should be, you know? So I, I don't know. I, man, I don't want to lose my hearing. That's just. No, no. Well, when I, when I, I'm going on my first elk trip this year, but when I was out practicing with my buddy who he's going to take me out hunting on his property, um, we were no ear pro at all or anything, but I have my suppressed 308 and he had a suppressed 300 wind mag. So we're fine. That, that helps a lot. Oh yeah. That really does. Uh, the first time I ever shot a bull gun, honestly, and then we're kind of getting away from the point, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I, there's a couple of guys at the next uh, set of lanes over when we were shooting and I was like, oh, well, it's really, you know, 308. That's really, it's not that loud. That's okay. I can deal with this. And then they walk out and you see like, oh, it was suppressed. And my mm -hmm. buddy pulls out his like compact hunting rifle for whatever it's called. It's Ruger's like, I think it's like a 16 inch. It's a, it's a smaller, lightweight, you know, bolt gun in 308. And my God, that thing was loud. And all I had in was a pair of foamies. And I'm like, nope, huh. I'm doubling up. And went and got like the mops and put them on over and everything. Like that was... I, I can't imagine why anybody would do that without ear protection, honestly. Oh, yeah. Well, another thing on that, you know, we were down at our uh, new shooting range we're putting together down south in Utah today. And we've got like a shipping container tower and like the top one has windows in it. So you can climb up there and shoot out of the windows and the targets, a bunch of different steel, like 300 yards and stuff. Pretty awesome time. But me and my buddy are running our, um, he's got his 223 and I got my 308 bolt guns we're just shooting suppressed having a good old time ear pro in of course and then our mm -hmm. other buddy he's in the other window and he takes a shot with his just ar 556 five, just 16 inch barrel and then in that container we're oh, like dang dude that was freaking loud <laughs> yeah i mean that's i mean i guess in the context of home defense too that's just as much an issue you know i mean if you're if you're doing planned cqb work you probably already have you got ear pro, you're probably running comms. I would, mm. I mean, I would hope and assume that you're running some kind of comms. Um, but again, it's all environmental uh, and your degree of planning is directly impacted or directly impactful, I should say, on, on what your end user experience might be. Mm -hmm. Do you have, uh, you know, electronic ear pro next to your bed while you're pistol? I do not. I do not. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, I'm like, are you about to tell me that I need it? Because <laughs> I, 
I don't know. That, that just seems like it's one of those fine motor skills things in the middle of the night. Like, you know, I take this out of their charging pack and like put these guys <laughs> in and like by the time that's happened, that's like 15 seconds you could have had to do whatever you need to do. Mm, right. I mean, I would yeah. maybe more <laughs> if you're, that'd be funny. Yeah. Just depending on how asleep you are, it could be, you know, 30 seconds or a minute. Like what the hell's going on? Knock mm. them off the nightstand. Then you got to go digging for them or whatever. Like, nah, <laughs> right? no, not for me. <clears throat> but okay all right yeah get, let, get back let's, to it <laughs> get back to the cqb another another point i have written down here yeah is mitigate the angles you are exposed to this is what everybody talks about right you've heard this before yeah. all this kind it's, of stuff it's tough it's very tough but the way we really like to explain it is especially when we start off we always start off with the simplest thing you could probably think of just a corner a corner fed type mm-hmm. scenario right where you're not you just kind of you'll pan across and we, we should talk pan versus pie later but i prefer pan a lot these days but either way it doesn't matter um you know corner fed whatever so a good way we like to uh hit on this point right at the beginning focus on the next most oh crap wrong one <laughs> mitigate the angles you're exposed to is okay you're in a hallway and then there's an opening at your 12 o'clock and then you're doorway is you know whatever five yards ahead of you on your left you're in the hallway right if you stand on the right side of this hallway anyway open door open door we'll add that in too if you stand on the right side of this hallway now you're exposed to everything you see at the 12 o'clock and then a part of that room right yeah because they can i mean same rules apply for them they have some degree of visibility Mm -hmm. that room on the left exactly So if I position myself, say, on the right side of the hallway, I'm exposed to two angles. And, you know, whatever. One man CQB, if that's what you're doing, obviously you're going to have to give something up at some point. But as you're approaching this, hey, maybe if you hug that left side, stay near that upcoming threat, now you're only exposed to the 12 o'clock. You close yourself off to that open doorway. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, so, and you get to the point then where, you know, Maybe you, you like you said, pie or pan out to the right, get a, a shot of what's going on, you know, try and gather some information. But yeah, I mean, from a, from a, I'll say a general point of view, trying to traverse this hallway, right? Minimize your visibility and reduce your exposure. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, fundamentally, that's something that you should, everyone needs to, to know and keep in mind, whether it's your house or a shoot house or whatever. Exactly, exactly. So that's how we always like to start off in that one hallway because at the shoot house we have, that's how it's set up, our little corner fed room. But yeah, we just have everybody stand there and be like, look straight ahead. You're exposed to two angles right now. What else could we do? Well, let's stand right here. Now I'm only exposed to one angle, you know? Mm-hmm. Something as simple as that, just getting it in your mind will really, really help once you get into like really dynamic scenarios and you get in the room, hit your whatever you want to call it point of domination is a lot lot of people like to call it today you hit your point of domination then you're like okay oh i'm a little exposed there's a window right there let me move to maybe an extended point of domination position a little farther along my wall and now i'm not exposed to two angles only exposed to one because if i'm only one guy i can only do so much you know yeah so one of the things that that people talk about a lot in and it seems like we see more uh content around like the two to four man team stuff just because it's i think it's more fun to watch so therefore i think that's why we see more of it 
you know, but <laughs> you talk about the number one man, usually, because it can all change depending on your situation, right? Going to the point, um, going to like, what's the term for it? The unknown, right? So that, that deep corner. Um, so a lot of times in a corner fed room, it's that like opposite corner of the door, um, that one angle you can't cut all the way to see. Mm-hmm. So with a single man, then what does that, you know, what does that look like? Is that still your point of, I don't say that's your point of domination, but is it still the same thought process? You want to address what you, the lat, the, the one thing you can't see first. Yep, exactly. So we just hit on mitigate the angles you're exposed to. And then that's obviously different in every single hallway, room, stairwell, whatever. Um, Just to hit on that real quick, it was kind of funny. So my usual way of attacking stairs when I was working with the police department out in Illinois, um, we couldn't do it that way because how the stairs were set up, there was just, you're exposed everywhere. It was insane. Like I'd never seen a stairway like that. It was in the high school and it was, or no, it was in the grade school and you'd go up and you're immediately exposed to your rear. And then there's like a window right here. Oh, it was, it was a nightmare, but just, there's so much nuance here. Mitigate the angles you're exposed to works really well because, you know, okay. You can't just go into a scenario saying, this is how I go upstairs. (laughs) Well, maybe this set of stairs doesn't mitigate the angles you're exposed to, right? No. Yeah. It can be different oh, yeah. every time. And, exactly. and yeah, you can't approach everything the same way. Exactly. Well, that's like in the, in the mill, it was kind of a lot of that and it was really, really good training, but it was kind of a lot of a corner fed room. You do it this way, stairways, you do it this way, which is great. That's an SOP, a standard operating procedure, but how we like to do it in our courses, especially because it's one man. And especially because it's, you know, either LE guys or military guys, or just people that have never done this before is kind of trying to get in these fundamental concepts into their head over. This is mm-hmm. how you do a corner fed room, you know? Yeah. Well, and, yep. and, and building f- from fundamental skills will inherently, if, if done correctly, anyways, focusing on fundamentals and not like we talked about way earlier, right? The sink or swim approach that a lot of LE guys get thrown into that breeds one way of doing everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas fundamentals allows for a certain amount of um, creativity or, fl- or mm-hmm. flexibility. Um, so you can apply those fundamental skills. Maybe instead of, I know one way to clear a, st- a stairwell, right? That's mm-hmm. the way we clear stairs. Like you just said, uh, versus, all right, there's a stairwell. And I know I use these five, whatever, uh, these five skills to clear a stairwell. And this mm-hmm. is how I'm going to apply those, you know, or maybe I'm only going to use four this time because of whatever factors, um, exactly. It just and it that's why you, fundamentals are so important. Exactly. It makes you a thinker. You're a thinker, not an assaulter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah you're not I, just assaulting this objective. You're thinking your way through it because you don't want to rush to your death. Ah, you yeah, see I don't think I you can. Death? I don't think you can say that. That that's not as. You, that, that's not going to sound as cool on the gram. Oh yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> I, yeah, we're assaulter. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> operators. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're talking about, you know, approaching a threshold, one man, all this kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. another bullet point, my fourth one is focused on the next most imminent threat. This one is very, very simple. And this is why we have people vocalize what they're seeing and doing as we are practicing the CQB, because we need them to be telling us, all right, are you focusing on the next most imminent threat? Right. So 
was that like what was I giving you good imagery of like this hallway with this door on the left and then yeah. opening to the 12 o'clock? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So imagine, you know, okay, I decided to mitigate the angles I was exposed to. So maybe I was more towards the left side of that hallway. So I'm closed off from that open doorway, correct? Mm -hmm. But the only thing that's that I can see is, you know, down way down the hallway, 12 o'clock, it's like a room or something, big room. In that moment in time, what's my next most imminent threat? It's that doorway. Um, well, yeah, yes, yes, but no. So what I was trying to say is <laughs> your next most imminent threat is what you're exposed to, right? R right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're getting ahead. So then I like it though. I like where your head's at. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm going down, you know, I'm not exposed to that open doorway. Maybe I don't even see it yet, whatever. I'm focused on my next most imminent threat, which is the open big space down the hallway that's in front of me. Mm -hmm. I keep going. Oh, open doorway to the left. Now that's my next most imminent threat. So this is the rule focusing the next most imminent threat. I'm only one guy. So that doorway that's three yards away from me, that's opening up to me is priority over the room all the way at the end. Right. Right. Cause it's my next most imminent threat. So boom, I'm probably going to start, you know, doing some sort of panning or pying maneuver, whatever that may be. And then I get a little sliver of that room. You, you still tracking what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you come across this next most imminent threat or this next environmental challenge, you know, mm -hmm. for everybody that's either aware of it or not, you're, it resets your, your OODA loop and you have to start, you know, yeah. making new sets of decisions and kind of reprioritizing where your focus is exactly exactly so then you know let's say boom you're getting a little bit of that angle you start your pan nice and smooth don't rush to your death you're not going too fast you're processing the information so you've got a little bit a little chunk of it right mm -hmm. then what's my next most imminent threat so it would be i mean i would assume as if there's anybody in that room Yep. Or I'm just, what I'm kind of getting at is the next chunk. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. if you're so this is like super basic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have that little sliver. My next most imminent threat is what I'm out to expose myself to. Right. So mm -hmm. as I'm panning across this open threshold doorway, whatever my eyes and most eyes and weapon are synchronized and I'm focusing on my next most imminent threat, which is um, what I haven't, been able to get eyes on what i haven't been able to clear with my eyes does that make sense yeah yep yep then as you pan or pie across that entire threshold boom now you could be on the other side of it and you could enter or you could do a center step type method whatever you want to do we like to practice both of them you know what i'm saying like panning all the way across and then entering oh or... versus panning halfway and then center stepping in exactly i like both I think both have their place and we practice both. And then when we do on our day two, when we do our live scenarios, I tell people, listen, dude, this is your scenario. You do whatever you feel most comfortable with that you do in real life. Don't practice, you know, being all doing a real fast center step and then going in, but you're really only comfortable with a nice slow pan across the entire opening, getting everything you can. And then entering. I mean, if that's, want, if that's what you want to do, practice that. You know yeah. What I mean? And is, is it always typically appropriate to do one or the other with a pie or a pan? 
I mean, cause you want, before you, like you said, don't be in a rush to, you know, meet your death, whatever. So you want to try and gleam as much information as you can before you're mm-hmm. committing to that threshold more or less. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So, yeah. Cause I mean, it's just funny. You see some stuff online and we don't ever want to take the stuff we see online as like gospel or an example of what to do, but you do see a lot of jacked up shit on there. And uh, I mean, he's a good friend of mine. I'm going to say his name because I want to call him out, but I've seen like, you know, videos practicing CQB and stuff or, or, or trying to work some CQB skills and like dude straight up takes a knee in a doorway and uses the frame to like brace against and like, you know, take some shots or whatever. And it's like, uh, dude, you don't even, you need, like, he didn't clear either one. It's not like he came in the room, cleared it, and then turned around and came back out. Like, at least the camera showed him in that room going to a doorway. And instead of like looking right down the hallway and left or something, whatever, he just goes straight to taking a knee and bracing off the doorway. And interesting, like, dude, bad times, man. Like, not, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's a fairly, fairly accurate thing to say, like, get the fuck out of the doorway. Like, above and yep. beyond like yep. everything else stay out of the doorway whenever you can yeah well i mean so i i pretty much generally agree with that but you never know there could be a situation but then we got one of our bullet points try and mitigate the angles you're exposed to right so right. if you're in that opening you're probably exposed to kind of a four-way intersection you know which usually or at least a, yeah place to be yeah, or at least a three-way intersection if there's yep. not another door right there. It's just a bad, you know, because you limit, again, you know, by mitigating angles to, to you, you're also to some degree mitigating angles that you can see so you don't know what else is going to be there, mm-hmm. which makes this really tricky. Like, there's not there's not a secret sauce to it. I think that, you know, like you said, you can't solve for everything. It's never going to be a perfect solution. Um, exactly. And a, a, another point, you know, hey, you, your buddy got down and whatever, he was like shooting off the the side of the doorway or whatever and bracing up against mm-hmm. it. Hey, I don't know. Maybe you're doing CQB one one man in some warehouse that's huge. And then you see the threat and you're like, hey, I want to post up on this doorway because I'm kind of uh, I've got some concealment and I can get a more stable shooting position. And this, this, you know, warehouse is huge and the target's 50 yards away. Mm-hmm. Might not be a horrible idea, right? No, it could, it could work. I just, yeah, I mean, I, in general terms, I try to avoid the fatal funnel at any yeah, point. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just, it just is not a good idea for anyone that's learning or doesn't know how to take advantage of those situations, which is always kind of my assumption with people, unless you're, you know, somebody who has had the, you know, like in your case, military training or, you know, a lot of LE training. And even then that's not any guarantees, you know, LE training is spotty at best. Most of the time, you know, mm-hmm. call it what it is. So just stuff that, I mean, I think it's interesting to to see, but to also call attention to, Hey, fundamentally you typically want to avoid yes. something like that. Yeah. Um, but Hey, when the bullets start flying, all those rules go out the window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, all we can do really from a training perspective is try to best condition ourselves to appropriately respond. Um, that's a tough part because honestly, once the stress hits, like, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and we follow our point of lowest training. Yep. I mean, this is, this is an interesting uh, thought experiment, you know, let's say uh, this is, you know, you're there, you're in this building 
and you've got your AR on you for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> just, just because but, I love it. Yeah. 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 And then it's like this, you know, big building and there's like rooms and the warehouse. And then as you're painting across this opening, cause you want to need to go through this big warehouse section to get out to your vehicle, let's say, and, you know, active future scenario, you know, you see the dude, the bad guy, the chick, maybe, I don't know. You see him or her or they, right? Just kidding. Not oh, about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah non-discriminate here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you, you see this threat, you know, this is huge, a huge space, 50 yards away. You know, normally your training would tell you what, boom, you hit that center step, let's say, then you get into the room and then you hit your point of domination. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, or maybe you start shooting before that. I don't know. But, you know, if the target's 50 yards away and I'm in a standing position while moving, a kneeling or a prone position would probably benefit me a little bit more, right? Well, from, yeah, from a stability standpoint, yeah. No, I would definitely think that you'd want to take advantage of that if you're able to. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any, oh, I want to know what your opinion is on it, but in that little scenario, we're kind of drawn up in our minds. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it's necessarily, because you, if you know this is the only threat, right? Mm-hmm. maybe some dude decides to drop down into the prone and he's just got his freaking muzzle out there so the threat like if he even looked he probably wouldn't even be able to see him out that little doorway you know and then he boom yeah. picks him off because the prone position is by far the harder, best it's harder to see yeah yeah and, you are a super tiny target and then you're super stable and tsh, you just break the shot and you're good i'm not gonna say it's wrong but like you said probably not you know doctrine but what do you think i mean i think that again it's it's super situation situationally dependent i think that if you ever were to come across something like that where you're you know probably a warehouse or some kind of industrial building where you have a room that is that size um and in that instance the environment lends itself to you um and if you're able to i mean yeah i mean why not i would say it starts to highlight a different set of issues like now do you understand your holdovers and where where are you zeroed if it's 50 yards are you zeroed at 25 because that's Mm -hmm. all your range allows you to go to um if that's the case do you understand what your hold and what your sight picture looks like because you know you have that great environmental help right now if you miss that first shot then all of a sudden they know you're there then you have a whole other set of issues like hey is this wall that you're standing behind is it cinder block or is it you know, really cheap, shitty sheetrock and it's not going to stop anything. And now they can just start unloading on you and you have a limited, you know, uh, amount of options as to what you're going to do. Um, I think that, it, you know, in that situation, yeah. I mean, if you understand your weapon system and, and how your site works, I, you know, prone or kneeling in some kind of supported position would be feasible. Yeah. But yeah, it's so much nuance to it. So much nuance. It's just, it's a fun it's a fun thought exercise thinking of scenarios when the hard rule that you've always thought of might not be the mm-hmm. ideal. But usually it is, like you said, almost always get out of the doorway. But I was just trying to argue for your buddy. <laughs> no, I mean, but but it's a valid point. I mean, it's it's very, you know, you can you can throw a what if in there with any of these and, mm-hmm. and you know, you can't ever really come back with well, that would never happen yeah until it does and then we're having this conversation all over again exactly that's another thing you know don't rush to your death eyes and weapon mitigate the angles you're exposed to all this stuff you know if there's a real threat 
you know, everybody go, you know, like going on the speed component, I guess you could say, you know, you're barreling in rooms like a, you know, high speed badass and getting all these super cool, you know, YouTube and Instagram vids and everything. Yeah. But if you truly think there's somebody with a gun in there just waiting to blast you and you under, you know, you've practiced this thing and you understand how easy it would be to shoot you coming in, <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? You are probably going to slow down. I don't know though. I don't know though. But for me, yeah, no, I mean, well, that's, <clears throat> and that's okay. So that's one of the things that somebody else pointed out to me a while back was you can't or you shouldn't practice these skills trying to game in this instance is my own home right you don't want to game your own home because then you start to accept those quote fundamentals as as you know fundamental based skills but built only within the context of the environment that you know Mm -hmm. you know so then it almost starts to build some kind of like i'll call it a false confidence and your abilities, and then you start cranking up the speed. Like, fuck yeah, man, I can do this. It's my house. Ain't nobody know where I live but me. <laughs> and you know, I mean, there's some truth to that because I've had guys tell me like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't run a weapon light. I'm like, well, why not? Well, I know where everything in my house is. I, if I hear a noise, I'm just gonna shoot at that noise because I know, you know, I'm in bed, my wife's in bed. Who the hell could, who the hell else could it be? Mm. And I, just, I don't agree with I don't, that at all. I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know that I agree with that because I know for a fact, I have some family members that have keys to my house. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying that that's, they should just be like, you know, swing in at two 30 in the morning or something, but like, <laughs> I mean, you don't know, like shit happens. What if mom and dad get in a, get into another, get into an argument or something. And like, dad's like, Hey, I need to stay here for the night because your mom kicked me out. I mean, do I foresee my parents ever going through that? Absolutely not. But mm-hmm. could it happen? I mean, maybe, you know, yep. It's just, I don't, I, accountability. Accountability is so huge. Oh, yeah. Uh, this this just, is an interesting thing. I like that you're bringing this up. And I've got another point, but I want to talk about this first. Yeah. Um, you know, with the light thing, you can't shoot what you can't see because positive identification is everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it has to be. It has to be. Well, what we like to do a lot in our, uh, in our CQB course, I keep bringing this up because we're just doing this all the time especially in the day two, once we've had a full day of fundamentals and we do a bunch of scenarios, we have like almost all the students in the class interacting in the scenarios too. And one of my favorite things to do is active shooter, right? And then we're trying to get out. And then our student runs into another concealed carry um, citizen, concealed carry permit holder, whatever, citizen, Because you can't just be shooting somebody with a gun, right? Yeah. It could be a law enforcement officer. It could be another civilian, especially like here in Utah. Everybody, or at least I don't know about everybody, but a lot of people are carrying. A lot of people, yeah. So you're in the freaking Smith's grocery store picking up some ribeyes because, you know, you're all based and whatever. Which I'm all about ribeyes, not like making fun of them all about it. Yeah. Throwing a little joke in there. And then bang, 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 after shooter, you can't just be going through the aisle trying to get out and then you turn the corner and there's some dude with a gun. You can't just blast him because he might not be the threat. You have no idea. So like positive identification with the light is obviously super important, but in any scenario, positive ID is, it's just, it's everything. Cause you, I mean, how could you live with yourself if you, 
end up shooting some other dude because just because you thought he was the bad guy, even though he wasn't, you know? Yeah. You're both trying to do the right thing. And then it leads to just complete tragedy. Exactly. But yeah, if you, if anybody here listening is going to go to a CGB course, or if you're practicing it on your own with your buddies, you know, paper targets are great, but somehow figure out a way to make your mind think. Another thing we like to do is, um, this scenario is they want to be the hero, right? I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to take out this threat. Maybe they're an LE guy. Maybe there's a civilian. I don't care. They're going to take out this threat. We have them going through a space and there's like an open, an open area, whatever they're coming up to. Bop, 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 bop. They hear basically the threat killing somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Then they start moving, probably they start moving quicker towards this uh, threshold, which is obviously if somebody's getting killed, probably you're going to move faster. They enter. And as soon as they enter, we have a, a person who, who isn't the threat, but right there and they grab them. Mm. What are you going to do? You're just going to shoot somebody. And then, cause usually what we have it is, is they grab them and then we have them grab them and shake them real fast. And they give them one second. And then they say, help, 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 help. Oh, we, get, God. we give the, uh, the student that one second to just to make that decision. Hopefully not screw it up, but you know, be like, you know, back up, who are you, whatever, you know, maybe probably get your gun drawn on them because the situation and then, you know, maybe they make space. The person's like, no, 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 no. I'm friendly. I'm friendly, whatever. Or the student decides to, you know, they turn the corner, somebody grabbed me and they just pulled the trigger right away. And then they killed an innocent. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah. I mean, and that's these, yeah, these kind of things are so important to practice. And I love when we do these classes because I, I always, uh, I'll do a couple runs and a couple of guys helping me, like we'll do a run too. Cause it's only a few minutes. And we'll have the students like throw all sorts of crazy stuff at us. Right. And sometimes yeah. we screw it up because, you know, they'll just be doing the silliest stuff, you know, and whatever. Oh, there's non-combatant. And then there's a threat. Then you shoot the threat. And the non-combatant draws from concealed and shoots you. Well, what are you going to do? Right. They trick. Well, me. <laughs> but it, it, yeah. And it, I think a, it's important that, you know, especially with, I'll say with shooting, but especially with something like CQB where there is so much to it, like that, I think, you should definitely find instructors willing to demo this stuff. Like, I don't even know how you would teach CQB without doing any kind of demonstration or anything like that. But like, there's a lot to it. Hey, and like we were saying earlier, there's never a perfect solution. There's never a perfect answer. So like, Hey, you know, you're the instructor, you spend time in the military, you were really good at what you did. Right. And even you can fail. It's mm. not, it's never a guarantee. And I mean, it's fun, right? Like you have a good time and training is to some degree fun, but then like, it's almost like that snap back to reality. Like this could really fucking suck. This could really suck really quick. Oh yeah. And it's, it's too easy. Well, what do you do in that scenario? You enter a space, whatever, a decently sized spaced room, right? There's Mm -hmm. somebody there's this acting suspicious, whatever. You're like, and they're they're like, kind of whatever. I don't know, whatever. They don't have a gun, so you can't just blast them. But you're like, who are you? They're like, oh, I'm John and this, this or that. And then like, I'm just kind of in my little den area. Oh, up behind the bar, some dude pops up with a gun. Well, obviously that's your focus on your next most imminent threat, right? Yep. And if you're one guy, that's your next most imminent threat. You go over that way, you pull off this super sexy headshot. You just blast him. (laughs) But then that dude that you weren't sure about that you were focusing on until this guy came up, 
was a bad dude. He draws from concealed and kills you. I mean, yep. you were doomed. There's nothing you could have done, you know? Yeah, there's only so much you can do. I mean, but again, it, you, you do as much as you can. And exactly. whatever your end experience ends up being is usually a direct result of your training. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just can't train enough. Uh, I don't know. Um, oh, you it, can never, you can never train enough. Never. No. And it's one of those things, you know, I think it was uh, DJ from uh, GBRS put a video, like talking about CQB and like how like just straight dangerous it is. And, oh yeah, you know, it's one of these things that we, you look at it with that lens and you realize like how difficult and dangerous this is. You know, I think what he said was everybody wants to do gangster shit until it's time to be a gangster. And then it's oh, like, yeah. I mean, like, I'd, I would be totally factor. fine with never doing gangster shit yeah. like, for the rest of my life. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to yes. do gangster shit. Now, training and everything, I love it and everything. But if myself or anybody I worked with never had to use these skills, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. it's, yeah, it's, it's very uh, sobering. I'll, I'll, I'll use that word. It's very sobering to think of, uh, the reality of, of when you might have to apply these skills. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, one of the guys on our team, Jace, he's going, he's a former army guy. He's going to be taking a big lead on like home defense and business preparedness type stuff for, you know, private clients and everything. And he put out, I don't know if you saw my video, he's talking about their plan if for a bump at night, right? Mm-hmm. They sleep upstairs. His plan isn't to go seek out the threat. He put out in that little video, his plan is to, hey, he's going to call downstairs. Hey, I've called the police. I have a gun. Get out now. Because like he states in the video, he doesn't want to go hunting for somebody that might kill him. He doesn't know if it's he. he I cut this out of the video because it was kind of silly. <laughs> but he was like, you know, he says, you know, maybe it's Devin down in my, you know, kitchen. And he wanted to come into my house at 2 a.m. and eat pizza out of the fridge and then whatever right yeah his um his immediate plan isn't to go into full-on you know navy seal cqb mode he's you know his what his plan is his wife calls the police she's posted up in the bedroom he's at the top of the stairs he calls down to whoever it like you to your point it might not be a threat but he's gonna say hey i've called the police i have a weapon get out now whatever and then, mm-hmm. I mean, chances are, if it's somebody who's just trying to steal your crap, they might bounce because they're like, oh, geez, this guy's serious and the cops are on the way or whatever. Right. And like he mm-hmm. says in the video, nobody really wants to go down there and kill anybody. You know, if you right. don't kill somebody, it's probably you're probably going to be better off. You know, law, le- legally, you're not going to have to deal with those issues. From a mental health standpoint, I don't know, whatever your stance on it is, you probably just don't want to go kill somebody. Yeah. No, I mean, if you avoid it at all costs, I think everyone can pretty much agree that that's how we'd all like to live our lives, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's it's nice to hear that you guys are doing stuff like that, and especially around businesses, too, because I can honestly say as somebody who's spent a lot of years now working in the corporate space, the active shooter training and the information that's put out at a corporate level on how you should respond to those events, the, the run hide fight methodology Mm -hmm. is deeply flawed and not even 
remotely accurate because i mean like it's always great you watch your stupid videos and you gotta take a little test at the end and it's like <laughs> the the run the fight portion is always like just pick up whatever you can and use it as a weapon and like i remember i did it and i was like looking around my office i'm like man there ain't shit here i can throw at somebody it's gonna do anything at all like mm-hmm. my team's paperless we don't have any paper therefore there's no stapler there's no printer there's like nothing heavy that i could pick up and throw at somebody there's no like you know it's all ceiling lighting so there's no floor lamps you can use or like the walls are the thinnest cheapest shit you can find and everything like mm-hmm. it's just it you know the the hide part doesn't work because what are you gonna do take cover behind a fucking file cabinet like mm-hmm. great we're all transmitting we're all translating over to or migrating i should say over to paperless they're half empty. It's like sheet metal. It's not going to stop anything. Yep. You know, it's just, it's so deeply flawed and people don't in most instances know, Hey, where should I go? You know, I mean, in most buildings like that, right. Cheap, shitty, thin walls and everything. Not a lot of uses weapon, probably the stairwell. Cause it's like the one thing it's made out of like cement block. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's a, you know, an access to an exit point. Um, but I mean, it's something that I think that needs to be sorely reconsidered in the world is just how we teach people how to handle that kind of shit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's why we're really going to do a big push for that, especially in 2023. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so simple, but people just, you know, don't practice it. It wouldn't. It's not that difficult. You know, you, anybody listening, you know, if you're married, you and your wife just have simple discussion okay, you know, this is where our thing is, or our bedroom is in our house. And let's say something at the front door happens. What do we do? Something in the basement, something on our level, like what's our plan? Where do we position ourselves in the bedroom? What is my role? What is your role? Like Jace explained in the video that we uh, put out, you know, all that communication and in the business, this could be the same way. All the communication is already done because everybody's already on the same page. They have an SOP for lack of a better term, and SOP for this, this, or that, you know. I did a thing um, when I was in on my road trip. I did the stuff with the police department in Illinois. And I also did in that same town um, with the bank. The bank was doing like their monthly training. And this month it had to do with if there is a situation where whatever, there's like a bank robber and he comes in, what's their protocol? And then they had me come in and add on to it just a little bit. It was only an extra like 45 minutes. And it was, okay, this guy has injured people. Now he's out. Emergency medical is on the way, right? But you can die from an arterial bleed in three minutes. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do to hopefully save our coworkers' life? So we just did like super basic stuff, pressure, tourniquet, stuff like that, right? But something as simple as that could save somebody's life. And just having that equipment and getting an idea in your head is going to pay off in the long term. See, that's awesome because I work in finance and I don't know if my bank would, you know, we'd ever do something like that. I mean, I could only hope, (laughs) but I mean, it's good (laughs) that you start to see at least at some level, some of these like deeply institutionalized corporate entities, right? Like banks are a great example just Mm because they are right. Um, starting to look at some of this and realize, Hey, things are different. You know, we shouldn't all, we shouldn't ever do things the same way over and over just because it's the way we've always done it. Um, <clears throat> but it's even valuable, I would say, or worth calling out that a lot of those rules and principles and fundamentals that we talk about with things like C- CQB, 
those apply whether you have a firearm or not. So maybe oh, if your yeah. goal is not to eliminate the threat, but to avoid it, you know, yes. how to safely navigate those hall- a hallway, especially like office buildings, they're always like just long, long ass hallways with doors everywhere. Mm. So understanding a lot of those fundamental skills, I mean, especially because so many of them are fucking gun free. So it's not like you're going to be able to defend yourself anyway. Uh-huh. Um, you know, at, at least have, I'll say like a, a step up on being able to evacuate effectively. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I talked about earlier, that's why when we do our class, it's focused on the fundamentals of these concepts, not how to do this, how to do that. Of course we go over how to bypass the doorway and all this kind of stuff. But like you talked about, as long as you have these ideas already in your head, you should mm-hmm. be able to do it no matter what, because all right, I'm mitigating the hours I'm exposed to and focus on my next one, minute threat, blah, 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 blah. Um, Want to hit on the last point, get a little back yeah. on track here. Last one, and these aren't in any particular order, but this one I think is extremely important because it helped me so much and it helps every single person that we work with. Yeah. Give yourself space, space equals time. I made a video on this like a month or two ago after our last CQB class. It's so important, you know, give yourself space, meaning it could be anything. It could be a, you know, there's a dead space scenario. You're approaching a doorway, whatever. You're coming around a corner, giving yourself space away from that problem gives you more vision and gives you more time to assess what's going on in that next problem and make a decision, right? If you're imagining you're on a doorway right here, if I'm back Mm -hmm. here, oh, I see an issue in here bang, bang, bang. Now I can proceed to do whatever else I need to do to make entry. Right. But if I'm all the way up against that, um, door jam or whatever you want to call it, and then you're coming around and all of a sudden you have to engage, like you're there, you're in the doorway. There's no, there's no being able to do a little extra survey or whatever you might call it to get into the space. You're right there in the action, you know, and then also giving yourself space helps prevent you from, like you discussed earlier, over penetration, yada, yada, yada. If you've got a full size 16 inch rifle, giving yourself space is really going to help you not um, give away your signature on the way in. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's all about angles and knowing how to utilize the space sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, you just got to maximize yep. it where you can. Um, yeah. it's, you know, one of the things I worked on and, and unfortunately just where I live, a lot of these homes were built in the mid to late fifties. So our hallways are a little bit smaller, a little bit narrower mm. panning around a corner and stuff. It's just not, it's tough. It's not going to be easy. You know, you're going to have to collapse that stock either under your, under your armpit, um, or over your shoulder. And, you know, in an effort to try and keep that muzzle at a, where it can still be effective. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't, you can't give yourself as much space to kind of round out that path on the pan. You know, there's just, there's certain environmental factors that come into it. You can maximize it, but that doesn't mean that, you know, maximizing it may mean basically nothing. Cause you only got like a, you know, a, a three and a half foot hallway or whatever. It's just, it's yeah. very, very small. So let's, let, let's chat about that. What do you think? What is yeah. your go-to over the shoulder or under? Oh, mine is always over the shoulder. It's always over the shoulder. I don't know why. Um, but I think the under the shoulder thing can work. I think it comes down to personal preference, honestly. 
Um, mm-hmm. I've just, I've always been one of those guys that like, I, I don't want to be misconstrued as trying to like hip, you know I mean? Like hip firing, right? Like the Navy SEAL movie or like Rambo, like everyone shoots from the hip and it's or lethal weapon, you know? Um, and I, this is going to sound fucking awful, but it's the God's honest truth. I always thought it looked cooler to collapse it over my shoulder and more tactical. So when I didn't know what I was doing, I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. This is great. Like these guys do this shit. Like I saw it on a GBRS video and I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Like this is this, this is the shit. And you know, there is <laughs> truth to it, but I mean, when I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, just practicing what I practice and I try to practice a little bit of everything, you know, not try to be so committal to one way of doing things, but yes. damn, I usually, I usually do. It's usually over the shoulder. Yep. I, I like both. I like both. The thing about the over the shoulder that I see all the time and it's whatever. I mean, it's not whatever, but is when they go over the shoulder, somebody goes over the shoulder, but then because it's such a tight space, they basically angle the gun down towards the ground yes. so they're over the shoulder, but then the guns towards the ground. So it's defeating See, the purpose. Yep. And that's, and I have actually, and he's a good dude. Um, but I had somebody reach out to me and like drop some comments on the videos I put up and it's fine. Cause I'm looking for the, in, the input, the insight, the criticism, mm-hmm. but try to explain that going to that, uh, I guess we'll call it like low ready, but you know, you got that, that stock sucked up the stock or brace over your shoulder, but you should almost want the barrel to be completely, you know, vertical with, with things, vertical alignment. So then it maximizes your concealability. And then when you come around the corner, you snap the gun up and I'm like, I see what you're going for, but if you come around that corner, you're just not effective yet. And if it takes a second or two seconds to get that gun up, you know, then that's a second or two seconds that you're just opening the door. Like, Hey, fucking shoot me in the face. Yeah. I mean, are if there, if you really think there's a dude in there with an AK in the corner, are you going to go in with your gun pointed at the ground? I'm not going to. Or what if the guy's standing right there? Like he can't see what you can't see. So you come around the corner like that. What's going to stop him from putting one hand out, grabbing that barrel. Now you mm-hmm. can't get that gun up and he owns that. He owns that gun. And if he's just got a Glock in his or whatever, a pistol in his right hand, I was going to just fucking smoke you in the face. You're done. Yep. Like, yep that's true. That's I mean, true. again, just a bunch of what ifs here and it could be totally yeah. unrealistic, but I'd prefer to come around that corner with that muzzle out. Like for, like you said, right. First thing you see is that muzzle and that's, that's what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Now, of course it's, there's very different scenarios when it's super, super tight spaces and it's really difficult. But yeah. that is why I really do like the under the uh, not like way down here Rambo style, <laughs> but under yeah. the armpit, because then the gun is oriented. Of course, if I were, you know, I'm not angling it up towards somebody's face because that would be kind of a weird way to carry the weapon, but it's angled straight. So if I were to break the trigger, it would probably be in somebody's belly or something, right? Yeah, but at least I know it's for sure oriented where my eyes are looking. There's no doubt about it. And then mm-hmm. as I, you know, maybe I need to break the trigger, bang, 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 and I can snap out while I'm shooting and then get on target or whatever, right? Yeah. But I think both are good, over and under. I just like the under just because it feels more comfortable. Another thing I noticed with the over, I mean, this is a pistol, but if you get too far over the top, I've noticed I can't manipulate my safety. Yeah, that does get really, really 
uncomfortable when you, uh, what is, I can't, I think it's, uh, when you pronate your, the pronation of your wrist, you to a certain, certain point and you don't have as much. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Working that, that thumb, that thumb switch becomes more, more difficult. I really hope I just use that word correctly. I'm pretty sure it's pronation. You're kind of doing the, uh, yeah. The gay wrist. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You said it. <laughs> yeah. I was, I'll say it. I don't care. I just, I know it's either pronation or supination and I can't, I, I can, I never get them right. Um, well, so I think pronation. Like, pronation is like this supination is like this. It's turned up. Yeah. So, but this is like a different, this is like wrist flexion. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know a lot more about it than I do, but. <clears throat> uh, either, but anyway. way, either way. Yeah. So that yeah, is I mean, my thing. If, if it's a really tight space and I try to go really high over the top, I feel like I don't have like, pro- I can't use my hand properly with the safety trigger, all that kind of stuff. I just feel off where if I go, I'm still, the gun's still high. It's not like I'm Rambo, like I said, but if it's under my armpit, I can keep it oriented straight and I could do whatever I need to do with my shooting hand. There's no issues. Yeah. I mean, and in both instances, you're putting yourself at, at, at least some degree of disadvantage, you know, I oh, mean, yeah. like maybe you're, you have better control over your safety, but maybe your, your grip isn't as intact. Whereas over the shoulder, you have a better grip, yep. but you can't, you know, I mean, you're, you're giving something up somewhere in for both sure. cases, you know, it really, that I think for a lot of it is really just personal preference, unless, you know, you get into the LE space and I think they have defined ways of doing that or your team, whatever, if you, if you roll the team and maybe you're a civilian and like, I know there's guys out there to do it and you guys practice all the time and you just, you have an SOP for how you do it. Like, cool. That's like fun. do that, man. That's yeah, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. But for most of us, that's really not the case. It's really just us, you know, just hanging out and we we're we're all we got. So mm-hmm. personal reference. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But um, yeah, I'm on. I'm. I'm gonna mention these one more time, so we can maybe if there's any other points we want to hit on them, we can yeah. mitigate the angles you're exposed to. Super cool term right there. Eyes and weapon are synchronized. Focus on the next most imminent threat. Give yourself space. Space equals time. And finally, don't rush to your death because nobody wants to be dead. That's not cool. Yeah. Well, and and you know, I mean, it's nice that you can you can articulate those in some brief bullet points. You know what I mean? And conceptually it's easy to grasp, but, but not master. You know what I mean? Oh gosh. Yeah. Like just talking about it is one thing, but like, for instance, I am not a PowerPoint learner or whatever. I am a, I do it. And that's how I learn it. You're so not for I mean, I heard the army. Class, I heard you guys were big on PowerPoints. I just gave Josh oh, yeah. this last week. So, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So like in our CQP class, we don't do a PowerPoint. I've got my whiteboard. I've got all these written down. We talk about them and then we go do it. Like there's no, I'm just, I don't think anyone's going to learn from my PowerPoint presentation. So then we get up to that corner fed scenario and I could be like, all right. And I've got my little whiteboard there. What's the first thing we said? Mitigate the angles that we're exposed to. Maybe I'll stand right here. Oh, sick. Now I can see I'm exposed to less. I have every single person do it because the only way they're going to learn it is literally seeing it through their own eyes. Right. The little, the little PowerPoint presentation of the little circle going into the center fed room. And then you could see his, um, you, like there's a little like, 
cone and it's like his vision, you know, that's mm-hmm. great. But until you actually see it yourself, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Really going to grasp it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. But yeah. And we talked about the over the shoulder under, I, I wanted to hit on that. I thought that's a funny one. <laughs> well, and yeah, cause you get, you get so much of it. Like, and it, for all the good things that social media does for, for trying to learn this stuff, it's, incredibly inflammatory for some of the finer details and it's always the stupidest shit too like (laughs) hey man like it's whatever you want it to be can we leave it at that Mm -hmm. oh man fuck that you're wrong (laughs) you know what's your what's let's let's finish on this what's your um you know switching shoulders what do you think about that i mean i think that and so uh, in the context of cqb i would say that it has to be, I'll use the term well-measured um, because it eats up time. And typically in CQB, time is not something that you have a surplus of. So I would rather go through, you know, quickly, quick mental checklist again, while you train through this stuff, like what else can I do to not have to do that? Can I pan the doorway to change my angle? Can I you know, am I, you don't want to overexpose yourself, but like, what options do I have? I think that if you're, you're going through a doorway or something and it's, you know, your button hooking to the right and you're a right-handed shooter, if you have time before committing, maybe it makes sense. Maybe. Um, yeah, it's, it's then, tough. It's tough. The, what, the, what I've kind of come up with is, so I actually have gotten to do a lot of offhand shooting, not much of it in a CQV scenario, I guess, but you know, barriers, um, using cover, using concealment, all this stuff. I mm-hmm. actually do a fair amount of offhand shooting just because I want to be good at it. And now that I've done a bunch of it, I feel really confident in it, but it's still not as good as my strong right. side. It just never yeah. will be. And then I think when we've done some of our CQB training, I might have played around with it a little bit, but when I go do like um, stuff I'm trying to qualify for, if anybody mm-hmm. does that, and these are professionals, right? If anybody does that, they the instructors immediately be like, "What are you doing, dude?" Because <laughs> they're like, they're like, "How often do you shoot like that?" And the yeah. guys, like, oh, once in a while. For me, it's like, oh yeah, sometimes. It's mm-hmm. not that. Often. How much better yeah. are you on your strong side? You're way freaking better. You can snap that your that uh, weapon up and get on that reticle so fast. Versus if you had to do that with your offhand under stress yeah are you gonna be able to make confidence that's gonna be there yeah are you gonna be able to make up that difference uh you know and react accordingly and just like i said well measured i mean Mm -hmm. i I personally think 90 percent of the time it's not worth it no i haven't done a lot either (laughs) but i have uh i have practiced you know just shoulder transitions and shooting offhand uh, again a little bit not not my preference i'm not nearly as consistent uh, well, if anybody, if anybody yeah. that's taking our advanced carbine class this weekend, they better get ready for that. <laughs> hey, you know, absolutely. I mean, highlight, highlight yeah. the weaknesses and the deficiencies and build on it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not learning. Right. So for sure, you know, I know, be- I know, I'm sure Ethan's listening. He better get those dry fires and off in. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, man. We'll figure it out. He's, he can, he's going to find out. So oh he's he's gonna crush it. He's gonna crush it. But yeah, dude. Um super fun talk, super fun talk. Anybody listening, take all this with a grain of salt, right? Yeah. Let's I mean, this isn't the gospel or nothing. 
Yeah. Everybody, everybody relax. So you don't need to attack us. We're just two dudes <laughs> from different experience levels or different experiences, like from our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Talking about CQB, having fun with it, talking about how we practice. This is in no way, shape, or form intended to be the end-all, be-all solution of close quarters battle or anything like that. This is just some opinions and whatever. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and hopefully just helps to spur some thought, you know, or at the very least uh, spurs some people to want to seek out training to some degree, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And actually to that point, because we're kind of wrapping up here, where can people go to find your information and, and your site to sign up for some of your guys' uh, upcoming classes. Oh, yeah, for sure. So the website is thetacticalcowboy.com. Say that one more time because I kind of said it weird. Thetacticalcowboy.com. <laughs> there we go. Um, and then, yeah, social media, Instagram, at tacticalcowboy01. We've got a CQB class. It's all full, but two weeks from now. And the next one will be spring 2023. So be there. It's going to be awesome. Oh yeah, man. And I like how you're talking to you. I'm talking to you. Hey man, <laughs> I'm gonna do what I can. I like how you put the emphasis on the tactical cowboy though. It's kind of like yeah, watch the NFL when they go through the starting lineup, people talk about where they went to school. It's always the Ohio State. And I only say this because yeah. I'm in Michigan and we fucking hate Ohio. Um, <laughs> I just yeah, I had to throw that out there. But yeah, man. Uh, bro, I, think- I gotta get going. My we're supposed to be heading to Texas Roadhouse 10 minutes ago. I'm in trouble. <laughs> yep. I got you, man. Hey, I appreciate you uh, making the time and, and jumping on. This was great. And uh, we're going to do it again soon, brother. Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Maybe next time we could talk about, I don't know, something different, small unit tactics or yeah. nutrition or something. We'll do it. Hell yeah, man. Right, man. Thank you so right. much. Absolutely, man. Take care. You too. As always, it never disappoints. Devin's, Devin's a great guy. We have <clears throat> just outstanding conversations uh, and, and that's whether I'm just, you know, catching up with him on the phone, shooting him some messages, or if we're, we're on the pod here recording, we went through, I mean, a ton of stuff. Honestly, we, we, we jammed a, a ton in that 90 minute episode. Uh, big shout out to his fiance for being so understanding and, you know, kind of letting us push the envelope on our, on our time there. Uh, but we got into a ton, you know, uh, team versus solo CQB considerations, you know, processing information, mitigating angles, just all kinds of stuff. And really just understanding that fundamentals are the heart of this whole concept. And like, and you know, like Devin pointed out at the end there, this isn't the be all end all of, of CQB and saying that what other guys are saying is, is wrong or less true or has, you know, less merit and weight to it. But that's just the nature of the concept. I really enjoyed it. I like hearing Devin's insight because he has the firsthand experience with a lot of a lot of this stuff. You know, he's he has done this in a what I'll call a professional capacity, and now is gracious enough to a to talk about it with me, which is awesome. But b he teaches civilians and people that just want to know. They want to be better prepared. They want to be capable of being an asset in situations where skill sets like this can be difference makers. And even further than that, his company, the Tactical Cowboy LLC, wants to help further individual training and teaching, but also with businesses. We talked about at the end there, you know, and a lot of us listening, we work corporate jobs. And unfortunately, that training model just hasn't changed in a long freaking time and it needs to. 
So I hope you guys learned some stuff from this. I, I certainly did. Again, I can't say how, you know, just enough about how great Devin is and how willing he is to talk about these things and certainly going to be looking to have him back on hopefully before the end of the year. Who knows? We'll be talking about, you know, like you said there, either small unit tactics or nutrition's a big one. Uh, I mean, I get the comment a lot online for better or for worse, you know, that, hey, man, you need to be fit because if you're not fit, you're going to die. And you know, apparently a lot of dudes just don't realize that fitness looks different for everybody. And I'm just a bigger guy. You know, I work out on a regular regiment. We eat very healthy in, in my house and everything. I just don't look like a beanpole. I don't know if uh, I ever will, but maybe that's something we bring Devin back on for because it's something that I think a lot of guys could benefit from, from hearing about or, or women. I shouldn't just say guys. Uh, a lot of folks out there could benefit from hearing some information on that. So more to come with Devin. If you guys are over, you know, in the Utah area, if you're looking for quality training, hit him up, man. Sign up for one of his classes. Get something on the books for next year. Or if you're in one of the adjoining states, if you're in law enforcement, you want to bring him out for your your agency. Devin does all that stuff. Super, super square to go guy. You'll definitely have a good time training with him. So I hope you guys had a good time listening to this podcast. I Super appreciate him making the time, carving it out to uh, sit down and and chew the fat here a bit with me about uh, CQB. You know, it's that new hotness right now. It's it's what everybody's talking about, what everybody wants to do, uh, and and hopefully, you, like I said, you learned something. But let's not let this you know overrule the the reality that it would suck to ever have to use any of these skills and to ever have to put this into practice in the real world. It's very, very difficult and very, very scary shit, but a lot of fun to talk about and great mental exercises, things that can make us all more effective individuals in a wide range of scenarios and instances. So that's all I got for you guys. It's been great. I love talking with Devin. Next week, we're going to have another awesome episode packed with information for you guys. I hope you enjoy it again. If you aren't following us on on Patreon or subscribed on Patreon, please head over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. Consider donating to help the cause here, help us further things just a little bit, and tell your friends and family. We're really, really trying to make some big strides at the end of this year to finish things strong and push out into 2023 and hopefully grow our footprint just a little bit more and do some really, really fun stuff. So until next time, everybody, get out there, work hard, train smarter, like we always say, be prepared. Be prepared.